Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. The title of this message is, You're Too Easy to Beat. And I say that with all the sweetness and all the love in my heart. I'm glad I'm not starting off this message all strong and fiery like sometimes that I do. I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm delivering a message the Lord asked me to deliver you. Last week I helped, hopefully you understand, this is war. Well, this week I'm telling you from the Lord, I think you're entirely too easy to beat. I'm not knocking you, I'm not coming at you. I'm trying to give you a heads up. I think there are some areas of your life that need to be shored up before we step into and you step into this next season. Please hear my heart. I'm not trying to tell you you're not good, but I am trying to tell you this is serious and you need to take it seriously. You're too easy to be. And I believe it's possible that without even realizing it, Lord helped show me something, helped me to understand something about how we, as his people and his church, can be prepared for any battle in any storm. And it involves the pillars of our lives. I'm gonna give you three points. Here's the first point. Your life has pillars. So profound, I know. But some of you aren't even aware that it does. Your life has pillars. Now before I I teach you this personally, I want to show it to you principally. I want to show you the picture I feel like the Lord showed me about how easy you are to beat. Okay? Uh, we come here. Yeah, come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. Come on. Jump up here. He's like, me? Yes, yes, you. He's like, I'm sitting with my wife. I know. Okay, I need, I need six dudes that are, are stronger and or bigger than us. Okay? I need, I need six men who are stronger and bigger than me. We have so many humble people. Yeah, it's gonna be funny to see who thinks they're stronger than us, you know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. I need six guys. Okay, here's one, here's two, I love it. Here's three, here's four. You all right? You good, okay. All right, one, one, two, three, four, five, six. There we go, okay. We come stand right here? Okay, everybody stand back for a minute. Will you do me a favor? Will you stand on one leg? Okay. I mean, like, literally, flamingo style. Yeah, exactly. And put both arms behind your back. Okay. This is a fight. Yeah, this is a fight, and I'm your enemy. And this is the picture the Lord gave me about you. And this is not a joke. We do it again. It's safe to say he has no chance. And I know he loves God. And I know, absolutely know he's a man of integrity. Come here. One more time. Now I want to show you what I feel like the Lord showed me about how serious 
we are to take the six pillars I'm going to teach you and have taught you before, but I'm going to take you back through it one more time before we go into this next season. Come stand in the middle, just right here. Man, I want you to surround him, and I want, want you to put your arms on him, push against him, okay, surround him, okay, kind of spread out, you guys are a little bit tight in the back, yeah, spread out, yep, yep, okay, you guys ready, all six of you, okay, you represent the six pillars of his life, all right, I'm his enemy, and I, God is with him, but I'm coming at him, God was with him just a minute ago, but now I'm going to come at him. This is not a joke. Thank you, guys. That was maybe the best illustration I'll ever have in my whole life. And you guys just did a fantastic job. I don't even really need to preach this message. Because the Lord just proved this point. An amazing man. With a lot of great things going on. Not bad and not weak. A man of God and a man of integrity. But he had no chance. Because without realizing it, he was fighting like this. And then I surrounded him, strengthened him with six pillars. And I had no chance. God was with him. And his pillars were strengthened. And I had zero chance. Remember that message I preached a couple weeks ago? You have zero, a zero percent chance? I think it's possible to say our enemy has a zero percent chance. But we can't just be good humans. We must be serious soldiers. And serious soldiers have strong pillars and your life has pillars. And I want to show you something that the Lord never showed me this. It has not showed me this before. Here's the one-liner. Sacred spaces have specific pillars. Sacred spaces have specific pillars. Deuteronomy chapter 12, I just want to show you there. There's so many moments in scripture where God says something negative about pillars in ungodly temples. And he says, you need to rip them down. So this is to the people of Israel, a heads up as they go into the land of the promise. God says in Deuteronomy 12 too, now when you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods. High on the mountains, up on the hills, and under every green tree, break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Burn their Asherah poles and cut down their carved idols. Completely erase the names of their gods. Now, this might seem like it doesn't apply to what I'm talking about. I need you to understand. Sacred spaces throughout history have always had pillars. Always. And now I want to show you something about you. Your life is a sacred space for the Spirit of God. That's why your life has pillars.
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. This is talking about, about the body. I want, you to help, I want to help you understand it. This represents your life as well. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Preston, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Your life, if you are a follower of Jesus, is a sacred space for the Spirit of God. And I could show you through many, many, we don't have enough time, many, many different places in Scripture where temples, godly or ungodly, every temple had pillars. Every sacred space had specific pillars. Here's one of the things that's so wild to me about this whole pillar thing and the six pillars because the Lord gave me this years ago when I did Needy by Design. Uh, remember, I told you when I was 13 and I was reading through Scripture for the first time, I said to the Lord when I got to Solomon, I said, Lord, make me just like Solomon without all the wives and concubines. <laughs> but something in me feels like I'm supposed to be a little bit like him. God, you divinely enabled him. Will you divinely enable me? You know what's wild? I didn't see any of this coming. God giving me a burden for pillars and the word pillar. Did you know that when Solomon was building, I never saw this until this week, never even thought about it, have read this passage, I don't know how many times, never thought about it till this week when I was studying for it. Did you know that in Solomon's palace, he built what he called a hall of pillars? Pillars everywhere. Why? I wonder if Solomon didn't build a hall of pillars. This is just my thought. I wonder if he didn't build pillars to help remind him how important pillars were to his life. I just showed you how important it was to you. Without them, I could have had my way. But with them, I had no chance. Your life has pillars. Here's point number two. A question, what are my pillars and what do I do with them? First, before I show you the six pillars, some of you already know them because I've taught them before and you've been here for it. But let me, let me teach you a couple of things about needs. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this one-liner down because it's all about you. You are seriously high maintenance. I need you to get a revelation of this. I'm gonna teach this until my last breath. I am convinced you and I were made to be seriously high maintenance. Another way to say it, God created us with needs. Let me tell you, here's the first thing I want you to see. You have many needs. God created you with many needs. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16. David's speaking to God and he says, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. The best definition of this word high maintenance, in my opinion, is needing a lot of work to keep in good condition. You need a lot of work to remain in good, dare I say, godly condition. It takes a lot. 
Because God created you with many, many needs. Here's the second thing I want you to see before I show you the six pillars. God knows your needs because he gave you those needs. So if you thought when I said you're high maintenance, you're like, get thee behind me, Satan. I, I have high maintenance people in my family. I'm not high maintenance. She is. They are. No, no, no. We all are. Because we were made that way. You're needy by design. And every need you have, not want, every need you have, God gave you. Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said, When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Watch this next part. For your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. Now, some of us might look theologically at that and go, Oh, well, Jesus is just reminding us yet again that the Father is omniscient. He knows everything. I don't think that's why he knows every one of your needs before you even ask him about them. I think he knows every one of your needs because he was the one who gave them all to you. Not one of your needs surprises God. Dare I say, not one of your needs annoys God. You know what annoys God, in my opinion? Acting like you don't have any needs. He created you. Needy by design. It's about time you own this thing. Now, there's got to be at least one husband in this room who's thinking, hold on a second, nobody ever taught me this before. God is the one who gives us all our needs? And this husband is right now petitioning the God of the universe to give his wife the need to have more sex. I don't know if that's how it works. God, please give her the need. I don't know if that's how it works. Okay? But I will say, God's the one who gives needs. Man is the one who seems to be the one that shuts them all off. <laughs> Have you ever even thought about disobedience in this light? God says, I'm giving you a need. And I need you to make sure you get what I created you to need. Have you ever thought about disobedience in this light? No, I'm not going to get it. I know I need it, but I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to allow myself to have it. I'm too busy. This season's too important. I just can't right now. That's disobedient. Some of you are being released from an age-old bondage right now. Because you made an inner vow not to be high-maintenance like so-and-so. Like your mother. I will never be like her, but you were created just like her. She has needs and so do you. She has lots of them, so do you. God's not surprised by your needs because he gave you every single one of them. Here's the third thing I want you to see. God loves to satisfy every need. This is Acts 17, verse 24. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. 
The God of the universe has not one need. He has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. I think one of the romantic reasons why God has no needs is so that he can satisfy every one of ours. If he had just one need, there'd be a moment where he was focused on meeting his need, not yours, right when you needed it. And so he needs nothing. He is focused, decidedly focused on meeting the needs he created you to have. I just read it to you. He satisfies every need. Not every want. Big difference. He doesn't satisfy every want. He satisfies every need. You know what I think COVID taught many of us? That many in the world and a good number in the body of Christ have been giving themselves what they want more than they were making sure they were getting what they needed. That's why everybody got so wobbly so fast because they were hopping around on one leg with both arms tied behind their back. And for the enemies of God, it was a pushover because we are living in a day where we could give ourselves whatever we want whenever we want it. God didn't create you with those wants. He created you with the needs. When you give yourself what you want, you might get a little happier. But when you get what you need, you will get stronger. Now let me show you the, the six major areas and then we'll move to point three. If you're taking notes, and I know many of you have, have heard me teach this before and heard us at this church teach it, but I want you to write it down as though it were the first time because at the end, you and the one who created you are going to, to do a little bit of work together in preparation for what he's about to do next in you and through you. So I want you to write these six areas down. I believe these are the six major pillars of our lives that God created us to need. First, the spiritual pillar. It's pillar number one. Pillar number two, the physical pillar. You're a physical being. The third pillar is the emotional pillar. The fourth pillar is the relational pillar. The fifth pillar is the financial pillar. The sixth pillar is the professional. I believe these are the six major areas of your life. Your whole life can be summed up into these six buckets, these six pillars. So I want to give you homework this week, not to do at the end of the service. I don't care if you've done this before. This is a new season. I call it the seven-day survival guide. And the reason the, the timing is a seven-day calendar is because God was the one. The sixth day he created man, and the seventh day he created man's cadence. When God rested on the seventh day, he was teaching us the cadence he created us to run on, the Sabbath, and he called it holy. And he said, Preston, I have created you with a need one out of every seven days 
at a minimum, you need a day dedicated to me and to us. A day where you're not distracted by work, a day where you're not distracted by responsibilities. Preston, I have created you and mankind to run on this cadence. You need it. Some of us run on monthly cadences. Some of us yearly. Some of, some of us get something we really need really badly once a year. And God created us to need it once a week. Can you imagine how easy that person is to push? If you're getting one, two, let's call it 2% of something God created you to need, some of you feel weak. And I'm helping you understand why. It's not because you're weak. It's because you're running on empty. See, God created your needs to be like fuel. If he gave them to you, the, the meeting of our needs, which God gave us, is like spiritual rocket fuel. It's not just reading your Bible and spending time in prayer. It's all six areas, all six pillars. And I'm going to prove it to you later in the message. My own wife convicted me this last week of one of my pillars. And I, I feel like I'm nailing it spiritually. It doesn't matter. She called me out and let me know if I keep going down this path, it's not going to be wobbly. It's going to be catastrophic. So stop now. She wasn't saying it's horrific now. She's saying, don't ever let it get close. I want you to do some homework this week. Seven-day survival guide. I want you to go through the six major areas of your life. And you and the Holy Spirit, I want you to ask and answer this question about all six areas. What did God create me to need in this area of my life every seven days of my life? That's the seven-day survival guide. Spiritually, what did God create you to need spiritually every seven days of your life? Well, Preston, I don't know, okay? So think back to a, a, a time in your life where you felt like you were dominating it spiritually. Just do a quick analysis. What were you making sure you were getting every seven days? Oh, well, I was in the Word four days a week. I was spending time alone with the Lord in prayer three days a week. Okay, whatever it is. If you felt like you were killing it in that area, in that pillar, it's God's way of saying, you're running on the fuel I created you to run on. That's why it's working so well. Because every seven days, you're getting what I created you to need. Preston, this sounds selfish. I assure you it's not. It's stewardship. It's stewardship. <laughs> let, me, let me help you understand it from kind of an earthly perspective. LeBron James. One of the greatest athletes in the world. You could do this with Tom Brady as well. These men take themselves and their craft, we would say as followers of Jesus, calling, they take their craft so seriously that both of them spend seven figures every year of their lives in this season of their lives. They spend money, they have a chef, they have a nutritionist, they had a, have a body expert, they have a scientist, they have a masseuse. We could go down the list. Now, when I put up shots at the gym, 
I'm no LeBron James. And this is why I don't take myself as seriously as LeBron James takes himself. I don't spend over a million dollars on my squad because I'm no LeBron James. Okay, I need you to understand this. The Lord gave me this back in the back. This, this is the one-liner right here that I pray just penetrates your being. You are a child of God with a God-sized call of God. You are a daughter of God most high. LeBron James, how you steward you is far more important than how LeBron stewards LeBron. But see, we just think, oh, it's just me. No, 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 no. I didn't say it's a you-sized call. I said it's a God-sized call. It's so much bigger than you by design. He made it so much bigger than you so you would need him to pull it off. That's romantic. You can do it, but you can't do it on empty. You can do it, but you can't do it disobediently. Having him show you what you need. So let me give you another example. Uh, I learned the first time I did this seven-day survival guide. Emotionally, every week of my life, I need someone in my life, and really, specifically, one of the four people, now five, in my home, to come up to me, to get in my way, because I have a tendency to be thinking about other things and just keep my head down every once in a while and kind of get lost in my thoughts. I need them to get in my way, essentially arrest me if I seem far away, to hug me, to hold me, and to tell me one reason why they love me. And for some reason, when they do that, I explode. I literally explode. And I didn't understand why. The reason it happens is because God created me to run on that. Well, Preston, if you need people to do that for you, I think that might be insecurity. Call it whatever you want. I call it needy. I don't need anybody to worship me. I just need one person in my life to stop me, hug me, hold me, and tell me one reason why they love me. Just once a week. In my financial pillar, one of the things I learned early on without even realizing it, one of the things God created me to need every seven days of my life is to spend less than I make. Because I tried it the other way around. And let me just tell you from experience, it does not work. I was miserable, I couldn't sleep. There's a measure of stress I can't articulate. God was letting me feel what it's like to get the opposite of what I need, what he created me to need. I, every seven days, I need to make sure I'm spending less than I make. When that happens, I'll give you another one. At least once every seven days, financially, I need to buy someone I love something, no matter how small. It could be my wife's favorite candy bar and her favorite drink, her favorite tea. I don't know why but I do because God made me this way. When I do that, it's like a bonfire in my soul. He created me to need it. I am staring some people in the face and I love all of you so much, but you have no idea the journey that's ahead. And everyone's clapping and saying, Woo, this is gonna be awesome. No, it's not. Not if everyone tries to do it like this. 
It will be over in a flash, not because of my leadership, but because of our collective health and strength. And I will not go down like that. Now I know why God gave me the burden for the six pillars. This is why. Because you don't go off to battle limping with your arms tied behind your back. Only a fool would send you out to fight like that. I need you to know what God created you to need in all six areas of your life, and I need you to know it fast. What kind of leader would I be if I knew it was coming and I knew it was more than all of us could handle in our own strength? What kind of a leader would I be if I knew the trek through the wilderness was coming and I just said, get fat and happy? Isn't this awesome? I mean, I know we're in slavery, but the food's good. No, the journey is coming. And I love you too much to lie to you. Please hear me, I'm not poking you in the face. I'm saying it to me too. You're not ready. You're not ready. None of us are as ready as we need to be. It doesn't make anybody bad. You may be killing it in a couple areas of your life, in a couple of the pillars, but let me teach you a lesson. You're only as strong as your weakest pillar. So I'm not talking about your good ones. I'm talking about your blind spot bad ones. I love you too much to lie to you. He's moving. The pillar is moving. And I want you to be able to keep in step in this next season of our lives. Here's point number three. God's people must have godly pillars. When is a pillar godly? This is my answer to the question. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but here's my answer. I think a pillar is godly when a pillar's size and strength are built to God's specifications, not man's. A godly pillar is a supernaturally strong pillar. Let me show you something I, I haven't ever seen before. I knew this, but I never thought about it like this. First Kings chapter seven, verse 21. Huram set the pillars at the entrance of the temple. Two pillars, one toward the south and one toward the north. Okay, so get the picture. At the front of Solomon's temple are two pillars. Okay? Everybody got the picture of Solomon's temple? No matter what you think it looks like? Two pillars are at the front. He named the one on the south, Yaquin, and the one on the north, Boaz. Yaquin and Boaz, the two names meaning, one meaning in his strength and the other meaning he will establish. Let me, let me show you a little bit about these. Verse 15 tells us of, of 1 Kings 17, uh, 1 Kings 7, verse 15 tells us, Huram cast the two bronze pillars each 27 feet tall and 18 feet in circumference. Let's take a quick poll. How many of you thought, forget the height for a second, how many of you, when you pictured the two pillars at the front of Solomon's temple, did you picture 18 feet wide pillars? Anybody? 
Most of us think about pillars about this wide, right? With the ridges in them, you know, we're all kind of conditioned to think about pillars. I wonder if that's the enemy. This is what a pillar looks like, skinny and scrawny. God says he was the one that gave the blueprint for the temple, correct? God said two pillars out in front of my temple, 18 feet wide, both of them, boom. Preston, I want you to see how strong I need your pillars to be when you go through that season. Boom, 18 foot wide pillars, six of them. One for each area of your life, Preston. If you were thinking that a pillar is a couple of feet and God says they're 18 feet, here's another way to say it. Our pillars, our six pillars need to be six times stronger at the very least than we thought. Eighteen feet wide. Let me show you how heavy they were. Jeremiah fifty-two twenty. The weight of the bronze. These pillars were were made out of bronze. The weight of the bronze from the two pillars, the sea and the twelve bronze oxen beneath it, and the water courts was too great to be measured. Here's another way to say it, specifically about these two pillars. Preston, you can't even wrap your mind around how heavy these two pillars were. I take this personally, that God's saying to me, I think it's cute and sweet. Your specifications, Preston, for each of the six areas of your life, I think it's sweet, but it's absolutely underbuilt. And here's why. It's not because you're small or you're weak. It's because I'm God. And the call on your life is from God. I'm just personalizing for me. I'm talking about it for you and you and you and every one of you who are children of God. The call on your life is not a you-sized call, it's a God-sized call. That means the pillars of our life must be built to God's specifications, not ours. A pillar is godly when its size and strength are built to God's specifications. My wife this last week, so sweet, but such a savage simultaneously. One day she goes, I was listening to a pastor on YouTube and he, he said, he got on this run and he said that our, she was talking about mine and hers, our first calling is our family, not the church. I go, I started laughing. I said, duly noted, I hear what you're saying. Because I had said a week or two before, hear me, I haven't been absent. But I said, babe, I can tell this is going to be one of those seasons and maybe the biggest of our run. And I don't mean big like this. I mean weighty. Okay? Not stressful. Eternally weighty. Are you picking up when I'm dropping down? Okay. Two days later, she goes, I'm listening to R.T. Kendall right now. His teaching on forgiveness. Did you know what his... His perspective of his biggest temptation and besetting sin is? I go, what? She goes, putting ministry before family. I go, okay, woman. <laughs> so to call her sarcastically, not disrespectfully. It's a term of endearment. I said, okay. I hear you. Well, the next day she apologized because she felt like it was too strong. She wasn't strong in any way. What I feel like, she was hearing the Lord Give me a heads up 
about a pillar in my life that needs to be uber strong as I go into this next season. Otherwise, all of this is for naught. And so my sweet loving wife said, without saying it, stop it now, double down now. Double down now. Your pillar is not strong enough. She didn't say you're bad, she didn't say you're weak. She spoke to the pillar. She said, baby, this relational pillar needs to get wider. It needs to get stronger. We're about to go on a journey. I have no idea where we're going. I can tell you how we're going to get there. We're going to follow the pillar. And however long God calls you to make this church your home, and however long you're supposed to be on this journey, no matter what happens in the years to come, I want you to be able to take every step of the journey God wants you to take with us. But I'm telling you right now, I have it from a post-it note from the desk of the king of the universe. No matter how strong we think we've been in this last season and how much we dominated, the strength of our pillars for the season that is to come looks like this. We have time, but we must not waste it. We must get to work. Six wide, six times as strong. We're going to see God move, and he's going to take us places we didn't think he would or we didn't think we can go. He will do his part, but we must do ours. We must not be too easy to beat. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.